If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah. The, and do we have the screen? Amen. Good. Isaiah 9 and chapter 6. Many babies have become king, but only uh, once has a king become a baby. Amen. Let me say that again. Many, many babies have become king. Char- Prince Char- Charles, King Charles, was a was a was a baby one time, and he became a king now. But only one was a, uh, a, a did a king become a baby. He left the throne of heaven and became uh, a baby. And we want to we want to ask the the question this morning: What child is this? The simple birth that uh, happened on Christmas, or, or that we celebrate at this time of year. It didn't actually happen at this time of year, but if we celebrate uh, the incarnation, the coming of Christ into this world, happening at this time of the year, and that birth caused a commotion around the world. It caused a commotion that literally uh, has has caused commotion all around the planet to this day. Uh, the simple, unassuming birth of a peasant boy 2,000 years ago uh, caused one of the greatest commotions in the highest courts of the land. In our calendar, it split the calendar. It's the day that we look back to on the calendar now and see when his birth took place. In fact, you could say this, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. The hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. In the UK, they did a study about songs and they came to find out this about Christmas songs. They began to find out that Christmas music either stresses you out or it makes you uh, spend money. It either stresses you out or it makes you spend money. And they found out in the study that they did, psychologists and other people, they said if you keep playing uh, the uh, continuous Christian mu- mu- or, uh, Christmas music, that it continuously reminds people of all they need to do before their family arrives. So thus, for some people, it stresses them out. But then they also came to the conclusion and said that when you combine Christmas music with wonderful odors and fragrances, uh, that it can also create such an atmosphere with the smells, with the, with the sights, the sounds, what you're listening to, that it can cause you to enjoy the experience of going into the mall and going and spending money and that you wind up spending more and more money when you combine the two together. Well, there's a Christmas song that we have and it has a question in the title and I mentioned it just a moment ago and I hope it doesn't cause you stress today, but the song is simply called this, What Child is this what child is this? If you've ever heard it, and uh, and it's a old hymn. What child is this? Uh, and 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 I want to talk about that because that that song in itself and that question that it's asking, what child is this? Your forever hinges on that answer. The, your your forever, your eternity hinges on the answer to that question. What child is this? Listen to what C.S. Lewis writes. Listen to the words that he says in regards to what child is this. Look at what he says up here. He says, once, it, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. Can you imagine that? Uh, so for one time in the world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. God is bigger than the whole world. It held God in that moment. And so once in the world, in our world, a stable had something that was so much bigger than our world. Look what he goes on to say. He says this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying really foolish thing that the people 
often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, they say. He said, but Lewis said, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say, Lewis says. He says that that's not even an option that you cannot say. He said, everybody wants to say this baby born was a good teacher. He's a good person to follow. But he said, that's the one thing he didn't leave optional that you could say. Look what he goes on to say. A man who was merely a man and said this, this sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, Lewis says. Look what he says else. He says, either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us and he did not intend to leave that open to us. You have to, you, you, you don't have an option here. You have to deal with the question, what child is this? What child is this? Many of us have fallen on our knees since that question came to us and we fell on our knees and we declared that He is God. Like Thomas, my Lord and my God. In 1994, I came to the conclusion where this child, what child is this, Brad? And I came to the conclusion, He is God. He is Lord and He is God. He's not just some example. He's not just some other Christian leader. He's not some other Christian teacher. He is God. He is God in the flesh. He is God come to earth and that's the place that I came to. Now listen, July 20th 1969. Any history buffs in here know what happened on that day? Man, no. Well, that's sad. July 20th 1969 marked at a historical event. Apollo 11 landed on the moon and a man by the name of Neil Armstrong stepped onto the moon for the first time and there were two epic things that were said that day. Number one you probably would know. Two things said. What was the first thing said? The Neil Armstrong jumped off the moon and he said that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. But I bet nobody knows the second thing that was said that was profound by an American president and here's what he said the planting of human feet on the moon is the greatest event in human history but I would disagree with the president of the United States and I would say sorry Mr. President you missed it because the greatest event in human history was when God stepped his feet on planet earth in Bethlehem in a manger amen That was the greatest event that ever took place in in human history. Jesus lived. Nobody denies that. Nobody's going to deny that. History declares that someone named Jesus Christ lived. I passed by a church and the thought came into me this morning. We can can say if if he was not God and if he was not really, really the Messiah, he is the great. I was looking at First Baptist Church and all those cars and how big that church is. And I'm coming to a church and I'm passing all these other churches. Either this man was the greatest lunatic or the greatest liar because we've got all these people for 2,000 years that are coming into these church buildings and we are worshiping this baby who grew up into a man, gave his life on a cross, died and went into a tomb and was resurrected again. He's either a lunatic or he's Lord and I choose to believe he's Lord today. Amen.
And so God came from heaven into that manger. He took steps into the Bethlehem, and that was the greatest event. And that's why the question has to be answered, because he lived. There's no denying that. History tells us that. What child is this must be answered. That question must be answered by every person in this room. What child is this? And guess what? We have an answer by an old prophet in the Word of God by the name of Isaiah. He gives us the answer to this question and it's found in Isaiah 9 and 6. He says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Listen, that child was born to Mary and it was from the Father. God was the seed placed in her womb. She was a virgin. And Joseph was this this father who helped raise this earthly father who helped raise him there. But let me tell you something. He wasn't given to Mary and Joseph. What does it say in this passage? A son is given to us. To the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. He's come to us to save us from our sins. Amen. Aren't you glad that a a child was born and unto us, you and me, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name, he's fixing to tell us what something about what child is this. He's fixing this old prophet 740 something years ago. uh, But he's about to tell us before the birth of Christ. He's about to tell us what son this is, what child this is. He said, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Yeah, he's going to answer what he is and who he is that's come. What child is this? He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is the Mighty God. He is the Everlasting Father, and he is the Prince of Peace. Now, the Wright brothers, I'm not going to quiz you again because you look, you missed the, uh, the, the, the easier one. So I'm not going to ask you what happened on December the 17th, 120 years ago. But here's what happened December 17th, 120 years ago. The Wright brothers were successful in getting their great flying machine off the ground. And here's what began to happen there. When they, at Kitty Hawk, they, they, they were so thrilled and so excited that they sent their sister Catherine a telegram because that's, that was the text in that day. Somehow we've gone from, from telegram to a phone where we can actually talk and now we've reverted back to telegram somehow. I don't know how. Come on, Right? I mean, the thrill of hearing somebody else's voice, and now we're back to typing to him again. But anyway, so here the telegraph is there, and he sends this message to his sister Catherine, and he says, we've actually flown 120 feet, and he says, we'll be home for Christmas. We've actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. She runs with this telegram in her hand down to the local newspaper because she's thinking, they have got to print this. This is unbelievable what's taking place. And here she hands it to the publisher and all of a sudden he looks at it and he said, how nice the boys will be home for Christmas. He missed the entire message. David, he missed the entire message that that man can now fly. He missed that point. And he said, good, the boys will be home for Christmas. And here's what I don't want you to miss. that That God, what child is this? Don't miss the message that the Son of God, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace has come into the world. Don't just say Christmas has come and then you don't understand what exactly you missed. Amen. How nice they'll be home for Christmas. How nice a child is born. No, do you understand the magnitude of what child this is that was born? 
Don't miss what child this is. Christ has come into the world. Isaiah looked into the future. One of the greatest prophets in the Word of God is to read the book of Isaiah and understand this man is 700 years before and he's seeing into the future and he's seeing something he can't even comprehend and he's got the answer to this question. What child is this? What child is going to be born? He looked by the Holy Spirit through the centuries into the future and answered that question and he gave us those four words, those four words that we find in this passage of Scripture that I want us to look at real quick. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's look at the first one. Wonderful counselor. When Jesus was born, he was older than his mother was. Come on. He was older than his father was. Not Father God, but older than Joseph was. He was older than before. He's been around a long time, in other words. Right? Come on. Before Abraham was, I am. Right? Before Abraham was, I am. He, 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 my, David said, my Lord said to his Lord. You know, I mean, he, he, he's been around a long time. And folks, when I grew up, here's what we did. We had something different than what you grew up with, the young people in this room. When I grow up, Jacob, good job preaching though, man. When I grew up, we asked our parents things we wanted to know. How do you throw a ball? How do you iron clothes? How do you change a tire? How do you cook? That was our counselor. You know what our counselor is today? Google. You don't want to know what the wonderful counselor is today? Google is the wonderful counselor for everybody. When you want to know how to change a tire, you don't ask your, 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 your parents. You type it into Google. When you, you want to know how to uh, cook something, you type it into Google. When you want to know how to do anything, you type it into Google. And here's some of the top searches by people that we find in Google. Some of the top ten searches that people search for. Where am I? What time is it? And what do men want? And what is love? And you know what those four answers reveal to me? That there's something that mankind is looking for. That Google cannot answer. Listen to them again. Where am I? What time is it? What do men want? And what is love? There is a, these are questions in the heart that is a humanity that is crying out for what is love? What, what do men want? And God came 2,000 years ago with the answer to these questions. And He became a man and dwelt among us. But here's the beautiful part. He didn't have just wisdom and stature that He grew from being a baby. Yes, He did grow from that. But the Bible tells us that He was with the Father in eternity past. He always was. He always existed. So the, He's always had wisdom from eons and eons and eons of ages. He is God and He was with God in the beginning. And everything that is created and formed out here was formed by Him and through Him and for Him. And one of the greatest things is He came to counsel us in redemption. 
to counsel us in redemption, in salvation. Uh, Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? I can tell you who, his only begotten son. Amen. Uh, That's who was in the council back in the beginning. That's who was talking about the plan of redemption. That's who had wisdom to form planets and to come and form man. That's the mind of God. And, and, And at the appointed time, he said, my father, he said, whom shall go for us? And he and at the appointed time in the council of this mighty counselor, he said, here I am. Send me. Right. Right. This counselor of redemption, this one who is so mighty, this one who is so uh, absolutely uh, brilliant is the wonderful counselor where Isaiah also says he is the mighty God. He is the mighty God. He is the mighty God. We saw uh, God. We've seen God work in this past year. Folks, we've seen God work in our lives uh, over and over again. All of us could attest to that. We've seen addicts that have been set free. We got one set free from alcohol right back there that tells me every time I see him how many days the, the, that Jesus Christ has set him free. You want to know why? That's not, that's not Jeremy Betts. That's the mighty God. That's the mighty God. That's the mighty God that we have working and performing in our lives. We've seen his work. Addicts set free. Broken lives mended. Healings that have taken place. Not only back there in the Jerusalem dusty roads when he healed blind eyes and touched lepers and, and, and did all those things. But he's doing that today in our day and time. Now, we just prayed right there for your grandson. And last night we saw a miracle in that situation of a young man who was in the hospital. And now he went home today and he's doing well. And that there's answers to different things that are going on in his life. We have a mighty God. We have a mighty God. Amen. He's a divine voyager. Folks, the incarnation, he comes and he bridges the gap. That's how mighty he is. He comes with the mission of salvation. That's how mighty your God is. He came on that Bethlehem morning because man needed a savior and needed salvation. We see the divine warrior in the wilderness when he's there defeating Satan. When he says, uh, you know, a man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he's a warrior that defeats Satan. We see the divine life that comes when he, when he says, uh, everyone that's in the grave will heal my voice at a certain time and they will live. Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, this dead man who's been dead for four days and stinketh is now coming out of the grave because we have a mighty God. Amen. We have a divine lover who loved the loveless and loves us today so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world. And he loves us so much with an everlasting love. We have a divine general who led captivity captive and triumphed and gave gifts unto men. That's the mighty God that we have who comes to set us free. Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born. He shall be called the mighty God. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty don't you love that word not, not, a, light, not a lot mighty the Lord Almighty Almighty God Romans eight thirty one. if God be for us who can be against us 
Hallelujah. Jesus wasn't a teacher come from God. He was God who came to teach. God came. Almighty God came to us. The Almighty One. He is mighty. He is mighty to save. That's what Jesus... Who is this child? Who is this child? He is the wonderful counselor. He has all kind of counsel for us. We don't need to go to Google. We can go to God. We can go to... He has all kind of counsel in this Word that has been there for eons of ages. The best counsel in the world is if you took this Bible and you begin to open the pages up and you begin to let Scripture go into your life. That's the best counsel in the world is found in this book. Amen. You don't believe it. I can tell. I can feel resistance. But that book is 100% absolute Word of God. And I got news for you. The ones who doubt and laugh and scoff, one day you'll be judged by this book. And you will wish you had followed the wisdom in this book. That said where salvation is, where healing is, where joy is, where peace is, how to raise your family, how to, how, to, how to have a marriage, what to do in your marriage, what not to do in your marriage, how to love, how to forgive, how to serve, how to, how to live your life. It's all found in the pages of this book. Amen. It's the wisdom of Almighty God. And He's Almighty. And then thirdly, He's the Everlasting Father. He is the everlasting Father. For some, fatherhood brings up bad memories for people. Because America has now embarked on an experiment to discover what happens when there are no boundaries to promiscuous culture. Let me say it again. We have embarked for a while now on an experiment To discover what happens when there are no boundaries to a promiscuous culture. Let me put it in your words today so you can understand it. When you fool around. When you have sex outside of marriage. When you go outside of the boundaries of God. America is now beginning to feel the effects when there are no boundaries to sexual activity. And now because of this experiment, we are approaching 40% of the children in the United States now do not live with their fathers. And if you don't think that has an effect, look at the streets on this city because that was not the way it was when I was growing up. It's having an effect on our culture and on our cities. And I'll tell you this, I was going to preach a message coming up about the world. And I'm going to show you about the world system and where the world really is. Let me tell you how much that's changed. Back in the 70s, there was a pastor who went and began to talk, uh, to, to, to uh, evangelize out in the city. And when he began to talk to people and they began to give their lives to the Lord, they automatically knew. They began repenting. He said, "You need to. Rep- is there anything you need to repent? Up, and they begin to say, I need to ask forgiveness for uh, because, because I've been sleeping around with my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and I need to ask for it. He didn't instruct them in that. They knew that was an offense to God, and that's what they needed to repent of. Fast forward about 40 years, and now he's coming to a church to do a marriage seminar, and I'll show you how much the world has got into the thinking of the church because now the pastor says, We got about 12 couples I want you to talk to, but, but I got to warn you. They're all living together. And when he began to talk to them and show them things from Scripture, they had all had no idea and became angry at what God's Word said about what they were doing. All because the world 
has come in and changed the thinking of the American culture. And that's where the real battle is. And folks, but I'm here to tell you, this is a teacher that has come from God. He is the everlasting father. And, and, and as I said, he's not an absentee father. He is the everlasting father to us. And he's present in our lives today. Listen, five fatherly responsibilities that God has assumed toward his children. Number one, God provides for us. Unlike fathers that may be on this earth that didn't do such a great job because we're sinful men. But listen, this father in heaven, I promise you, is, is absolutely pure. He's absolutely wonderful. Our father which art in heaven, he is a God who provides for us. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Look at number two. As a father, he protects us. Don't we want to be protected in this world? Listen, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them shall fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. He loves you. He loves you. He loves us. The only reason he puts the rules and boundaries in this book is because he wants you protected. He wants you looked out. It's the best thing for you. We don't even know what's best for us. And our Father in heaven knows and He cares about us so much that this God that is so big and so massive and so mighty, yet He knows Brad Lindsay and He knows every gray hair on my head. He knows everyone that falls and goes down the drain. He knows us and He loves us and He cares for us. Every single person in this room. Amen? And He, and he encourages us. He encourages us. Oh, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You strengthen their heart. Amen. He knows where you are. He knows when you're afflicted. He knows what planet Earth is going through. And he cares for us. You will, he, he, you will strengthen their heart. You will incline their ear. Look at number four. This God, this Father of ours, He comforts us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those that are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then number five, another responsibility that He has is He disciplines us. Hebrews 12.10, For they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness we have a father that even as hard as it is sometimes to administer discipline he loves us enough that he will correct us so that we can live forever with him in 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 eternity and so we have a great father and unless God is our father then we are eternal orphans and nobody wants to be an orphan and especially eternally amen so many say our father on Sunday, but they spend the rest of their week acting like orphans. He's not a father on Sundays. He's a father on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. He is our father every single moment, and God has not forgotten you. Listen, he, 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 it's not contradictory for him to say, a son is given. Isaiah's not contradicting himself when he says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then he calls him a father, because here, here's the thing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a son, but I'm also a father. There's my dad right back there, and I got my two sons in this room. I'm both of those things. And, and listen, if Paul could say to the Corinthians, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel, then if we we are begotten in the gospel, then wouldn't it be fair to say he has become our father as well? Yes. 
a father of all those that he brings to birth into his kingdom. Uh, Isaiah later says of him in Isaiah 53, 10, he shall see his offspring. We are the offspring of Jesus Christ. He is the firstborn among many brethren. And thus so he has offspring that have come to him through by faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only begotten son who begets us by the spirit. And Hebrews 2.13 says children who have been given to him. So So he is the everlasting father. We find a new father in him because of our salvation. And then finally and lastly he is the prince of peace. And if there's everything we ever needed in this world today it is peace amen we live in a society that wants peace without the prince and there is no peace without the prince you 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 can't have one without the other Men pursue, pursue fi- some of you in here think if I could just have financial, uh, enough money, I would have financial security and I, and, and I would have peace. Some of you say if my health was just strong, if I could just get my body right and I could just exercise and get everything, eat right and I'd, ha- I'd have peace with my health. Some of you, if I just could get a wife or a husband and, and my kids, 2.5 kids and all those great things in a house, I would have peace in my family and peace in my marriage and everything thing would be just absolutely hunky-dory, but everything that you're trying to find peace in, let me tell you something, it can change and will change in a moment. In a moment. In a moment. And we saw that with COVID. We saw that with, we saw that with, uh, we, we saw that so much uh, in, in, the, in the past several years. And you're going to see it more. You're going to see it, just wait. You're going to see it more in the coming years. And you can laugh. You can scoff in this room all you want to. But I got news for you. One day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account. And the blood will be off this preacher's hand. It will be off this preach. I know you. I know we have people in this room that have been brainwashed by the culture, and you think this is a joke. And you came to see a kids program this morning, but I got news: there is a real God. There is a real God in heaven who created you, and He holds your next breath. I mean, if He stopped your breath, you would fall over dead in a moment. He holds your next breath. You are breathing because He gives you oxygen to breathe in and to breathe out. It is not you. You are not a self-made man. It is not you. It is God Almighty who holds your next breath. And there is one way to Him, and it is through His Son, Jesus Christ. It will not be Buddha. It will not be Allah. It will not be Muhammad. It will not be Confucius. It will not be you as a self-made man. It will not be your righteousness. It will be only through the Son, Jesus Christ, that you can live and have eternal life. Luke 2.12 says, And this will be the sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. On earth what? Peace. Peace. Peace and goodwill toward men. In Pierre, South Dakota, complaints became about a nativity scene that was on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to close in a minute. But, but, uh, and, and, and this particular governor there said, I'm going to make room for every religion on the Capitol grounds, but we're going to put a nativity out on the Capitol grounds. And he even left an empty corner that was set aside for those who didn't believe in God or for the atheists. And here's the one section you had a baby born. What child is 
is this. And then you had another section that was an atheist section with an empty corner. I don't know about you, but I'm choosing the what child is this section. I'm choosing the one with the word become flesh and dwelt among them. With a baby who grew up and became a man and died for the sins of the world. Versus all these atheistic professors who've decided they want a corner with nothing in it. He came to earth that we might go to heaven. He became the Son of Man that we might become the sons of God. He was born a virgin that we might be born again. And Christmas begins in the heart of God and is only complete when it reaches the heart of man. So what child is this? It is a gift from heaven. And the Bible tells us that the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christmas tells us that we can't get to heaven, but God has has come to us and you better get in his corner where that baby is and you better receive that gift into your life and give him your life amen in exchange what child is this he's the wonderful counselor he is the mighty God he is the everlasting father he is the prince of peace born in a manger something bigger than the world that was on the planet God in the flesh And Christmas seems to be based today on an exchange of gifts. But here's the greatest gift you can exchange. Him giving his life in exchange so that you can live forever. And you exchanging your life back to him. That's the greatest gift exchange that you can ever give in this world. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. God, that you became a man. Lord, I know we've become so sophisticated in this world with our technology. And we've lied in our schools for so long and we have not taught this in our homes or our churches for so long. That we have a generation that scoffs. That scoffs at the gospel. They scoff at the message of Christianity now. They literally think it's a joke and a fairy tale, God. But Father, you really, really, really created a world. You really put mankind in this world with choices. And he chose to sin and rebel against you. And you really did say, the man who sins against you, he will die. And, and God, we have had death ever since on planet earth. And we have not been able to stop it since. But you said, Lord, that you would come yourself and step into our world, God. And you would come and remedy this problem for us. That you would become one of us. You would, you would wrap yourself in humanity, in flesh. You would become a man. And that's what happened 2,000 years ago. When you decided, greater than the moon landing, when your foot stepped foot on planet earth and you grew up and you became a man and the whole purpose you came was to live an obedient and perfect life that we could not live and it was to die a death that we could not die so that God would be satisfied and forgive us of our sins and give us a way back into heaven and back into eternal life with you. Everybody who repents and calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved and Lord you will receive us. As many as receive 
saved you. To them you gave power to become the sons and daughters of God. You would make us into new creations and old things would be passed away and everything would become new. And Nicodemus asked a famous question. How can a man, you said Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. And he said, how in the world can a man be born twice? How can a man become small again and enter into his mother's womb? And you said, no, he was born the first time that way, but the second time he's going to be born by the Spirit of God. He's going to be born of, uh, of, of, of water and the blood, and I'll make him a new creation in Christ, and he'll be born again spiritually, and he'll be made alive in me. And Lord, I'm t- I pray, God, that, that in this last hour, while there's still time, before the time of the Gentiles is complete, God, that you would call people to come into your kingdom, God, and to receive you as their Lord and as their Savior and as their Messiah, God. It's not a game. This is not a game we're playing, God. This is reality of eternity, God. Eternity. This world is a few years, but eternity is forever. And we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And God, the way, the way to eternal life is through your son. It's a narrow way. And few, few find life in that way. And so, Lord, I just pray today, God, that people in this room, God, if they want to know you as Lord and Savior and Messiah, that they'll call on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and they will be saved, God. We praise you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory, Lord, today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.